Welcome to episode number 14 of the WIM podcast. That's W-W-I-M podcast, Women Who Inspire Me. I'm your host, Dave McGrath, here with producer Mark Branson and our guest, the amazing, multi-talented uh, musician, teacher, improv performer, comic writer, what am I missing? Sarah Infinity Takagi. What am I missing in that description? Um, you didn't mention the fact that I was the most wanted babysitter. <laughs> Never. Uh, <laughs> but could have been because I'm I'm very childlike most of the time. <laughs> I've, I've been told that. I think that's why I get along with elementary I, school kids so well at my job. It's a little but. disappointing. People never mention that fact. <laughs> I, I am a potentially really lucrative successful babysitter okay um i was i have been told in my <laughs> dreams <laughs> but um, piano playing is probably your number one yo, is that your number one talent would you say yo, yeah how did uh, you get there like what bring us through that journey of should we talk about my dreams hopes or should we talk about my not tiger mom japanese parents uh dreams and hopes which yeah, one yeah should we so talk about? well let's uh, let's talk about how they collided <laughs> right how do, so you were a, born in Japan. Uh, that is the trick question okay. of today, because when people look at me, they don't see, you know, a white. Uh, I don't know. It's it, I don't look white or purple. Um, <laughs> but uh, my dad had an international business. OK. Uh, which was based in Japan, but it was all over the world. And one of the uh, places that. uh they wanted him to go was Alaska, United States. I believe if people know their geography, Alaska uh, is, is part, part of the United yes, States. Some is. people didn't know. One me. of the few states yeah. I haven't been to. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so incidentally, uh, apparently I was accidentally born in Alaska. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which still makes me Japanese because we did do the DNA test. Just okay. to say, like, maybe that would make me American, like, white. white. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we were, I was born, we weren't, I was born in Alaska, uh, but when I was one year old, we went back to Japan. Okay. So I don't remember don't any remember of Alaska. That. Okay, yeah, that makes but, sense. But so my first language is Japanese, and then um, my second language would be English. Wow. Yeah. So how long were you in Japan? Um, after moving there when you were one uh so at eight years old we moved to seattle okay for a few years and then uh we went back to japan in seventh grade um and this is my funny story i did seventh grade in three different schools it was like uh oh, it was man. a very strange education lapse that i have mm. uh I never had fifth grade in my life. Like I went from fourth to sixth grade because I was in a progressive school. And then when I entered seventh grade, I could never get out of seventh grade. I finished seventh grade in Seattle, went to Tokyo, Japan. And, and you're way behind. Are you way behind everyone? Because well, they're way far advanced, right? Well, in Japan, <laughs> the school system starts in April, not September. Okay. So we were done in June. But I was done with seventh grade in America in June. Right. But we were in Japan. It just in started. Japan just started in A April. Couple, right. So I just did seventh grade again. Oh. But we were only there for eight months. So I did two semesters of seventh grade in Japan. And then my dad got another job, um, this time with the Japanese government, where they wanted him to go to Washington, D.C. and work on some foreign treaty between Japan and U.S. on some really cool stuff. Um, but anyway, so when we moved to America, uh, United States, Washington, D.C., the following April, and my mom, being a super sweet, deferential woman, being very polite, when we went to the principal's office, and the principal simply asked, so what grade, you know, she has, she had no idea that the Japanese school system was different. So right. the principal asked my mom, so what, what grade? grade was Sarah in yeah. Japan? And, th and she figured this would be a no brainer. Whatever the grade she was in Japan would be the grade. That, Same grade. Yeah. So my mom just quietly said, seventh grade, like that. Okay. And, and, then, and then the principal was, oh, okay, we'll just put her, put her in the seventh. So you did it so again. So I did April to June in a new school right. in Maryland for two months of seventh grade. So I went to seventh grade Seattle, seventh grade Japan, another two months of seventh grade in another 
like junior high school, so I just never got out of seventh grade. Were you playing piano at this point? When did you start? That is how I got out of seventh grade. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I did start uh, piano when I was five years old in Japan. Um, and was that my dream and hopes and wish? No. That your was, parents just said you're learning piano. It's more piano. that I look like I should be playing the piano along with my brother and my sister, meaning three of the children were just simply forced to play piano. And I was the youngest one. And so there it was. I had to play the piano, hated it. Well, not really hated it. It's just that, you know, it took 30 minutes out of my day to right. not be playing outside with your Right, friends. right. You wanted to do so, normal kid yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, and then uh, when we moved to Seattle, uh, my sister was already really, really good. And so apparently they decided my sister should audition for the best teacher in Seattle. And when she went to audition, I went along with my sister. And I'm seven years younger, so I was, like, still super cute and little. Right, right. And apparently the teacher was impressed with my sister, took my sister, and then asked, who is that little cute yeah, yeah, little yeah. girl, you know, the, your sister? Does she play piano? And my mom was like, yes. And then so let's just take her, too. And so, so you know, I didn't even play. Wow. Got, you know, You were with the best teacher. Yeah, with the, the best there. teacher. Wow. Yeah, so... So that's my really fun story. Of <laughs> but at some point you decided that's what you want, right? I mean, at one, at, you kept going with it. You haven't stopped. Okay, I, I like to do, right? uh, uh, I, I'm going to add some facial gestures. This is a video podcast, yeah, yes. not a radio podcast. So all the viewers out there, this is how I felt about at some point did I choose piano. No. And this, is, this means the same thing in Japan. In Wait, so is it still coming from your parents to do this? Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. They, yeah. Well, they got to be pretty impressed and, you know. I just I just started winning competitions, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I Are you competitive? Making, Are you? Yeah. Like, here, check this out. So, um, and then when we moved to Washington, D.C., we even got to an even more, like, super famous one of the best teachers right. in america uh she was a college professor she studied with nadia boulanger i don't know if that rings a bell mark but um so she was like a super famous teacher that the seattle teacher recommended wow. we contact for recommendation okay so she's we didn't think she would take us right. uh, because she's a college professor uh, nelita true um, but when we went to meet uh dr true uh, I played some pieces, and then when I was done, um, she said, just wait wait a second, let me get my husband. And her husband was like a super famous international competition jury. He won all these competitions, and he was this very famous Portuguese pianist, and he came downstairs. Uh, incidentally, he was half her height. Like, she was like six feet tall, and he was like four feet it was like interesting <laughs> but anyway so she goes oh here's my sweet little husband fernando lyras and um um so she goes oh can you just do what you just played for me and i did and then the cute little four he you know really sweet amazing portuguese pianist walked up to me and said took my hand and said you're already a little pianist <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that was how I she got the permission. She had to ask her husband if permission. it was okay to. Yeah, because oh, okay. apparently she's been complaining to her husband like she's too busy. Oh yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. have any time. Right. She's been complaining, complaining, right. and she didn't have any college, uh, non-college student, and so she was like, "Can I take her?" And he was like, "Yes, you're a little pianist." So, <laughs> and then so that's when my serious competition training began. In one year, she was an amazing <sighs> teacher. And I think she sent me to competitions like every month. And one year, I literally won ten competitions. Whoa! Like, and you're year. you're a teenager. You're like yeah, fourteen, like, fifteen. Yeah, and yeah. I, I made like you know thousands of dollars. Whoa! And, you know, got stuff for my family. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that that was that. But uh, 
But at the same time, I maybe that same year, I wrote a ten page letter to my parents and my teacher saying I really, really want to quit. Oh and then I had ten god. arguments. Oh my god! It was ten pages. And then at the last final argument was, hey, and besides, if you let me quit, you'll save this much amount of money for the lessons. Yeah. yeah. And then I put it on the kitchen table, went to bed, woke up, went downstairs for breakfast, and my mom took one like hard look at me, took this long piece of paper and she she we made eye contact and she just took this piece of paper and she tore it in half and then threw it in the garbage no word no conversation. nothing yeah like we're that not talking the, about it this is what i think about this it's done like so you're you're, you're still a, doing it yep so yeah. i kept on playing wow. the piano without so it, it was never my decision so I you must be but be that's how good you are you don't want to do it and you're still winning no, like that's how that must be how good you are, or is it just you want to win? Yeah, or, I mean, I, I mean, or a when, part of it is is there just something inside you that's good at piano? Like you know, the whole I, practice yeah. versus just talent versus you know that conversation. I think. Where do what, you feel about that? I think it's just, um, you know, now that I'm teaching piano, this is what I say to the parents. The parents will be like, "Oh, my boy," or. My son, he doesn't seem to like the piano. Mm. And and I just smile and say, no, <laughs> it's not that he doesn't like the piano. He just doesn't like the practicing. Right, right. The piano. And yeah. I think I would agree. I think it was probably the same thing. Yeah. It was more like I like music, right. you know, I, and when I'm playing well, it is fun. But I just don't like the practicing yeah. part, I think. And I just. It's very solitary because it's not like you're in a marching band, right? You're not in an orchestra. You yeah. don't have other kids. But those moments, I yeah. know, I learning guitar that yeah. first day that I could play chords and switch my hands without looking yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, That's now awesome. I can like play, like I can almost that is play, amazing. right? Wow. But did you have that breakthrough moment on piano? Like, I think oh, every you... time. So I think, I think. I think, you know, like every time I started playing more advanced pieces and, yeah. you know, the music is gorgeous. Right. So as you get better. You just want to chase does, that yeah, more complicated, the, the music more. music does get better. Yeah. Um, it's just, again, it's just like very, very solitary. And, and, you know, literally I had no social life. You guys know, like my first boyfriend was age 27. And, and, and it's not even high school. I had no social life in high school. I didn't even go to 12th grade. This was a weird thing. Uh, I never got out of 7th grade, but I also got to skip out of 12th grade. Right. And then, uh, so no prom, no dating, no nothing. And then I go to college, and this is the tragic part of my life. It's a little bit, I don't really want to go into it. Sure. My sister was older, but she was also a pianist, went to the same school. And which was New England Conservatory in Boston. Oh, okay. And um, which is one of the best yeah, musical schools in the world, right? World class, yeah. yeah. Like Ber is Berkeley, it, is it up there with no, it's, Berkeley it, or even Berkeley higher than Berkeley? Or? No, Berkeley and NEC have nothing in common. Berkeley right. is a pop they're different. jazz school. Okay, it's so not a they're just different types of music. Yeah, different. Music. Yeah, right. different. But both world renowned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, but New England Conservatory piano is like classically, right. it's top level. Right, right, okay. But anyway, so my sister had gone and I thought it was my turn and she was supposed to go back to Japan. But... um. It turned out like she really wanted to stay in America, but she was supposed to live on her own. I was supposed to like get in, the, you know, live in the dorm and, you know, have a college life and go to the parties or whatever, whatever. And I was looking forward to it, except that when it was my turn, my sister somehow convinced my parents that we could she could use my dorm money to find an apartment and that she could live with me. <laughs> and somehow convince my parents, since she's older and knew what Boston is like, somehow be the older sister, take care of me. Without, like, I was never part of this discussion. Right. So one this day I found happening. out that I couldn't go to the dorm and my sister was going to live with me. And then that began five years of, it turned out to be officially a very abusive, toxic uh, relationship where I ended up also never having any social life, but she yeah. was monitoring it exactly what i was doing every your sister day. was and yeah. reporting it to your parents yeah so um no she or, she she wasn't reporting back oh, she okay. was like friday night she was practicing Saturday she like became your mom almost like yeah your, but it was not just if, if for every was, aspect of your life basically yeah, yeah. No, like literally five years later <sighs> i woke up in the intensive care unit and had a ground mal seizure and i almost died oh my God. and it was because of the incredible 
uh, torture. Yeah. I through. It wasn't just that. There was a lot more, but I don't want to focus this yeah, yeah, thing yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that's fine. And were you, so you were taking classes and doing all that yeah, in the middle yeah, of this? Yeah, but my sister but literally made sure, like, I tried to date one, one guy at age 22. Literally, she basically pulled my hair from the next day, and she said, you need to pick between that boy and me. And she wow. said, you can't date. Like, this. you are with me. Like, so I wasn't allowed to date, go on. I've never been to one college party. I've never had any drug experience for those of you. I just act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> is it, is it, so th that's my drug hand gestures, incidentally. The rule, is if, the rule is if it comes out of the ground, it's safe. You yeah, know, my, have you heard my... of that one? <laughs> 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 if it's a plant, then it's okay. If you have to process it in a factory, then it's bad. Uh, believe that's... Not, I'm not even there. <laughs> <laughs> Fentanyl doesn't grow on yeah, trees. No, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so I, literally, I've never, like, basically all my childhood, I didn't get to play. All my high school, junior yeah. year, like, I never got to play. Uh, and then I went to college. Never got to play right. like Friday night, Saturday night. I was practicing Sunday morning, nine. This is this I kind of explains why you're so into improv. Like thank, that's a kid thing. Like thank that's you. a very kid energy. Thank you. Is improv. Thank and you. it actually. <laughs> am you. I? Yeah. Everybody sign up. Dave Metcraft, <laughs> the greatest therapist, and, and, and Freudian I was a psych major. Just, I was a psych he major. He just analyzed my whole entire life. Thank you for well, those of you. <laughs> But it makes sense. No, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I'm literally writing yeah. a book called Play. Yeah. How Play Saved This Asian Class yeah. Pianist from like a life from of a, Because this was- From I a brain aneurysm want... killing you. Like, yeah. Because you were- It was because I had led yeah. a life of no choice. Like, yeah. it was- Right. I was super disempowered. Like, I- Because everything I was doing was not from my choice. Right. And then Japanese hierarchy is such that- um, you have to bow down to the elders. Yeah. So my sister or else. older. Yeah. I have to Unquestionably, too. Like, right? Yeah, and then like, she ordered me around. Yeah. Well, that's my older sister, so I got to listen to her. That's yeah. the culture that... And I never even complained to my parents, yeah. except that one day, once I got sick, my parents found out about it, and they got very mad at my sister, and my sister ended up, 10 years later, apologizing to me. Well, she officially apologized. That's, I mean, well, that's something, right? I yeah. mean, that's good. that must have felt good for her. Yeah, I mean, well, do you think she was... At least what I'm saying is that it, it wasn't like something I made up. Like, right, right, like right. It wasn't like saying, oh, she's just... Right, that wasn't in your mind. No, she she realized, too, how bad it was. Yeah, she yeah. was literally uh, controlling what I ate, <laughs> who I could see, where I was every single day. Um, and and then she also what was her rationale that you'd get off course as a piano player if you had fun? Like mm -hmm. it would affect your professional, your student life and your piano playing life if you didn't follow her regimen? Like what did, no, what was, was her? Okay, so with her, she wasn't trying to make me a better pianist. Oh, okay. Anything. She, she just like she control. Had a, she like. Little, I literally, she, we had a call, phone call where she apologized and she said, I just wanted revenge. She just wanted to torture me every day. That was revenge her. for she said, what? And I said, for, for you what? being better than her. She literally said, yeah, mom was nicer to you yeah, and you her. were more talented. Those yeah, are two so reasons. That, yeah. I, I never did anything. So she her. was a jealousy kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so. you've made it past and you've kind of made amends. So that's that's good. So after yeah. that, those five years, what yeah. what was your two years of rehab? Two, so you like yeah. inpatient rehab no, or just not like, counseling? Well, and uh, Yeah, just uh, make my parents were just making sure I could walk and see because I had some vision problems, balance problems. For, uh, from the walk. medical emergency? No, the ground or, procedure. I was yeah, in a yeah. Coma you, for what? Days. what? Yeah, I was in a coma. It was a near-death experience. So, oh it, this did you have? Did you see people? Like what? Yeah, I heard God's voice <gasps> and everything. So, did you go down the tunnel? What? It, what uh, happened? What it do you remember? Like that I just became extremely psychic after. Okay. Like I would see people's auras. Yeah, I yeah, would yeah. Also know people's names without ever meeting these people. I would have dreams. Like you had just... a moment to connect to that. Yeah. Supernatural energy, and then when you came back, it was there was rigid, residual I, I from up, it. That actually, I heard sense. a voice. It's, it was a male voice. It said, "You had been given a second opportunity to live to learn more about God." Literally, that was the first and last Whoa. time I've ever heard a voice. Literally, like from, like a speaker, and then I just saw people's auras and Whoa. light and 
wow. dreams would come true. I would know things about you like without ever meeting yeah. people. But then I had to go through a lot of healing and yeah. I had to have this one woman heal me and get my soul back in my body because I Whoa. really couldn't walk. Well, like I couldn't even Like you there. had been detached from your your yeah, spiritual part of you had been detached a little bit from your physical and it was out of sorts and you needed to yeah yeah kind of like was it a reiki master that did that or who no it was Uh. okay so if you want to get into it it was a supernatural thing so first of all i've always been very spiritual and psychic which i think you now know or you knew um so during this time i just kept hearing like i have to see a healer i have to Mm. see a healer so when i went to boston uh during the two years uh, I the only places where I felt comfortable were churches like just I couldn't walk into a bus or a traffic like a regular world energy was too dense for me mm. so I, like oh, and I also couldn't wear a coat or carry anything because somehow my back would just like give out I was super frail so I was in a meditation group at the Trinity Church in Copley and it was a woman's meditation group and we sat in a circle and I sat down and there were two women that walked in that came in late and I just said hi and then we went into this like guided uh, meditation journey and after the whole journey um, I we all said something about ourselves and I said something like I'm visiting from Maryland and I'm only here for two weeks uh, but I'm very grateful for your prayers because I had a like a national prayer chain going on when I was in a coma. Okay. So when I came and I told them that, and anyway, so I was about to leave when all of a sudden there were two, this woman who sat on my left said, she stood up, um, shook my hand and said, hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a healer. Call me. And she Whoa. gave me a business card. And this was like, I had not told anyone. Right, right, right. For a heal. She goes, I'm a healer. And so the next day I call her number and she's like, why did you call me? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you told me to call you. Right. And then she said, okay, well, we have to meet at Bertucci's. And all of a sudden when I go to Bertucci's, there's three other women. I mean, her and two other people. And then she goes, Sarah, the reason I didn't want to tell you I'm a healer is because this is something I keep, well, I mean, podcast, but. Yeah. Um, well, she said, uh, this is, uh, I, I like to keep it rather private. But while in, what happened was while she was sitting next to me, she has a St. Germain is one of her guys, talks to her all the time. And so St. Germain basically said to her, you need to reveal yourself to the girl sitting next to ah. you. And you must say you're a healer and shake her hand. And so she did what her voice told her right. to do. But she, her was, little she inner did voice. not want to do it. She didn't yeah. want to do it. She said, why would I do that? She's going to go back to Maryland. I don't want to be part of this. But apparently because St. Germain kept telling her, she said, okay. So when I called her, she was shocked because, you know, I confirmed the fact that the, the guy was, was she was supposed to. to. Right. So then. Um, So she told me and then I ended up going to her house and she was teaching a healing class with three of her students. And so I had a three hour healing session where she had this super amazing, unique. It wasn't Reiki. It was something else. She had learned a really unbelievable, powerful thing. And everything she she at one point she goes, oh, my God, your grandfather is here. And I had to put your soul back in your body. Half of it was gone. Uh, Half of it was still out there so i had to put it back blah 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 so after that session all of a sudden i could put on a coat yeah you felt different i could walk i could balance everything was healed like that in three hours it's just like i to this day i bow down and thank her because (laughs) she's the reason i have a normal life is there a name for the process Uh, she did like it's not reiki but it was something else that but she wasn't that comfortable with her own talent. Yeah. So she still isn't really out there healing people. Apparently she's super talented. Well, it sounds like she just listens and finds the people that need it. Yeah. And and I didn't even pay for it, by the way. Right. Totally free. Right. But that was like a supernatural. And on top of it, my mom cured my eyes. Uh, My mom is a healer as well. Again, another unlike willing healer. So when... After my coma and my eyes had rolled over, I couldn't really see well anymore. So I was crying. We were, my mom put her hands on my head. This was in the two years that I was trying to heal. And, and we, she started praying fervently and I was crying because my life was over at that point. And she was putting her hand 
And at one point, I was lying there, and a jolt of electricity like went right through my body, and I was just like, "What?" And then at that moment, my mom went (gasps) like this, and she goes, "She saw something white come out of her palm of her hand, and she could feel the cells in my brain move." And then that was, and then when I opened my eyes, I could see clearly again. That's my mom i mean that's the you know that's, the, that's the thing is like that. the universe is energy that's all we are is energy right yeah and so like if people you know and i think everyone there's a spectrum of everything you know there's a spectrum of math ability music ability yeah. psychic ability mm-hmm. some some people have none some people yeah. have and i think you know that the healing energy is definitely a thing too like yeah. if you can channel whatever that is into you and then push it to someone i know it's crazy because it's in the movie star wars they yeah. actually can do that with the force <laughs> channel healing energy okay, but okay dave no no <laughs> not everything's about star this wars star but wars. it's like <laughs> but that's what you know that's what i i'm very good at massage like i dated a massage therapist I'm once re- i i i'm really good at massage too. and and she when i was giving her a massage she's like you're the best non-masseuse who's oh, ever done wow. but that but all that is is i'm taking my energy and i'm transfer wow. like it's almost the same you're thing like you're transform oh. you're, you're you transform your energy and give oh, it to sweet. someone else and that's why it feels good because you're getting you're getting that and i wow. you know who knows what people what ability obviously you experience something that's you know your mom's a healer and could do yeah. that for your eyesight <laughs> like wow um, i'm actually i i, I if, if since you're um, so I'm also curious, like how we all got into comedy, because I yeah. feel like some people, you know, there are different directions that people come from when yeah. we do comedy. Some people really just want to do comedy, but some people like me on my case was definitely, uh, I think we're finding out now even more so is that because I had a life of such ser- it was like a serious life. Like yeah, you classical the, music is serious. Yeah. My Asian family was growing super up serious, Japanese is serious. And there was no playtime. Yeah. I never played. Um, and it was just like a life of and I had a lot of torture and negativity. And for me to come out of that Do I your parents have or any sisters have any sense of humor? Do you guys My do you guys sister's joke? dead. My sister died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Like about seven, eight years ago. Oh. But yeah. growing up, was there any laughter in the house? So uh, if my brother ever listens to this, um, I have given my brother credit for the comedy and yeah. jazz. Okay. Uh, so my brother um, and I were always closer than my sister and I. Okay. And my brother was the comet in the house. Okay. And also he was the guy who was into jazz. So he would always be doing some really funny impersonation of a Japanese comedian. <laughs> Incidentally, folks, like there is, um, I always say, you know, oh, you know, like in my comedy set, it's yeah. like, oh, let, do you guys want to see an impersonation of a Japanese comic? <laughs> and then I'll do like a, just a stand there and just do nothing. <laughs> and uh, I'll be like, oh, incidentally, uh, there are no female, <laughs> there are no female comedians in Japan because it's a total chauvinistic paternal. Because you're, Literally all the com- comics. Because if any if any little girl said they wanted to be one, it would no, be squished out like that, right? It. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we are from a culture where you don't talk. Right. Like it's all about you're the talking. you're the servant. You're so you don't want to like in talk. service to the males, basically, right? Yeah. Is that we, we just serve tea. Yeah. That would yeah. be my best impersonation right. of right. a female comic is serving tea. Yeah. But anyway, so <clears throat> my brother was very funny. He would impersonate Japanese comedians, okay. and then me being. Um, infatuated with right. my brother i wanted to be like yeah, yeah 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 so i just learned to like imitate my brother so whatever he did i just did and yeah. so i think from a young age i was like oh being funny is really important to my yeah. brother and so maybe from a young age i started kind of acting really funny a lot and then the other thing is um incidentally at age 12 my brother literally said to my parents this is how the difference in gender changes everything because when I was 12 years old as a girl in the family and I said, I want to quit your piano, you know, my mom just tore the letter and there was right, no discussion. Right, right. Well, it, on the other hand, my brother at age 12 said to my parents, you know, piano is for sissies. It's too feminine. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing this shit. Like, I'm going to play jazz trumpet. And my parents were like, okay, okay no problem. Like, no, it's like, what's the difference? Wow. <laughs> so he became, he quit piano 
and became a jazz trumpet player. And then I started hearing jazz a yeah, lot yeah, in my yeah. family. And I think that's why later in my life, like I sing jazz now. Okay. And jazz has been very healing. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's just like it's the opposite of classical. Is there improv? Right. There's fun. There's the band. There's right. social element. And There's jazz no guys are fun, right? You know? And classical is you got to play this note at this time while they're playing that note at that time, or and you forget it. You, know, you, you, you there is no improv, right. so like you must play whatever the composer wrote. Right. And if you don't play that note, you made a mistake. But in jazz, right. if you don't, there play isn't. The note, then yeah, you, then you, know, you just that, that you becomes, build off it, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. for me, like jazz has been very healing. So jazz and comedy has been very healing. But yeah. I still want to know, like, how you got. Yeah. So while uh, like laughter in my family was, I I'm the middle of five kids, mm. Irish Catholic. Mm. We were making jokes all the time ah. of our about ourselves, about each yeah. other, um, and watched funny movies. Mm. Watched. I began watching stand up and listening to stand up when I was I would say a little before junior high. Mm. So always exposed to it, mm. and then as I got older, start going to shows mm -hmm. and then, yeah. And then didn't start performing. I got into performing. I was actually, um, so my childhood, very loving, supportive family, but we was stricken with disease. Like my mm -hmm. older sister got type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. My younger brother had really bad asthma. I had to mm -hmm. take him to the ER a few times. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was mm -hmm. 14, mm -hmm. brain cancer when I was 18. You? Uh, yes. Oh wow! Um, but through all those medical wow. situations, we still laughed. We still, wow. I still watched our funny things. We didn't like the laughter and comedy never you stopped. You conquered so. brain cancer. I did. That's actually <laughs> like miraculous. <laughs> oh my! Yeah. Well, God. so so that's the other. How did you? So well, do so that? both with both my Crohn's yeah. and cancer, my neighbor who lived right down the street that's on Bowman Street. He so with my wow. <laughs> my Crohn's I was an idiot, and this will eventually get to my st stand up. But wow, with my Crohn's I let the symptoms go for years. Uh -huh. I knew something was wrong, uh -huh. but I was like, "Well, I'm Mr. Hockey Player, tough guy. I can deal with pain, no problem." Wow. Then a neighbor of mine looked at me and he's like, "I think your appendix is about to burst. You need to go to the ER tonight." How do you know that? Like that's, he that's he just scary. he examined me and he's like, "Something serious is going on." Like he wow. just knew. And they opened me up, took out a foot and a half of my intestines. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I was diagnosed with Crohn's. Three years later, I started having different symptoms. It was headaches and double vision. So wow. instead of waiting like I did with my Crohn's, I waited years. I was like, was I got to. brain cancer? Yeah. So I, got, I was like, I got to go to the doctor. No, I didn't wait. That's the thing. Oh, was, that, I that didn't wait with the brain cancer. Okay. Um, wow. they found They found it right away. They found it. Like four days after I started having symptoms, they did a um, CAT scan. Wow. My, my neighbor, who's a doctor, who sent me to the ER yeah. for surgery, he came in and told me about um, visualization and oh. using that while I was in treatment. Oh. So when they diagnosed me, they said, you're going to need chemo followed by radiation. Oh. But I used visualization yeah. as I got the chemo. And then after my chemo, they're like, we don't know why, but you don't need radiation. Uh -huh. So I was like, and yeah. I've been cancer free ever since. Wow. So and this was 18. I was yeah 14 when I was diagnosed with Crohn's and 18 when I was diagnosed with brain cancer. Dude, that's right. A, that's a but that's the thing is like disease comes disease comes in different forms, right? Yeah. You you had disease. Your disease was. By the way, incidentally, I was gonna say if I would, if I was I'm sorry. This yeah. Is, this is no, kind of fine. a joke now yeah, that you're better. Yeah. I was gonna say well you know if I did get cancer and it was brain cancer i would be slightly happy that it means that i'm very smart you know, like, <laughs> well so that's that the a, joke about my cancer is that even though it was in my brain yeah. it was the same kind of cells as testicular cancer proving i'm a dickhead uh, no, <laughs> no i was I no was, but that's true but that's was, true though my setup was yeah. that uh the the bad news is i have brain cancer right. the good yeah, news is, is i you know probably means that i'm just smart, so much yeah. smarter yeah. than the rest of you people <laughs> probably not using it enough and to yeah. get brain cancer no, no the joke is my brothers and sisters called me it said called me a dickhead so much it actually <laughs> it manifested Luke <laughs> actually might not be Oh, that man. far from the truth really seriously <laughs> right. yeah, so when you're young you you take things more yeah. wow so then i got involved in um this cancer nonprofit that their wow. their whole message was early detection wow. so they loved my story because wow. i'm like 
poster boy for what not to do and then what to do when you're faced with symptoms. When I started doing that, I would intersperse jokes when I did that. And then I was like, oh, I, you know, I've watched stand up. I can turn this into. Ah, So that's and then I started. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. That's that's so cool. And then Mark saw me perform stand up. I was like, if Dave can do it, (laughs) I can do it. I don't no, know what. No, yeah, what gave you the bug? I want to. I want this guy's teacher. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can manage wait, wait, this wait, guy. Wait, wait, wait. No, I do want to hear how Mark got yeah. started. How I got started, yeah. or yeah. how did I first fall in love with stand up, or how did I? Yeah, all of it. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, I always like. I w- always found being funny very important. Okay. Oh, important. Like, like if I, yeah. as a kid, if I made a joke, even, so I would think before. about it for days. Oh, or, really? or somebody else made a joke. Uh, but um, I didn't really become aware of stand up until I moved to here. To America. And yeah. Um, yeah. when I started high school here, I would come home from school and on the cable, yeah. well, this first time we had cable TV. They were constantly showing stand-up clips, huh. one after I the see. other, of huh. all these like famous people. Wow. Um, and it just in like just one minute or five minute, oh. and I just loved it. I watched, I watched yeah. so much, and I was like, but I can never do that. You yeah. know, it's like being a movie star. It yeah. seemed impossible, yeah. but yeah. I was like, it would be cool to yeah, do it. Cool. Yeah. And then um, I thought about, I started writing around when I was like, 40 or something mm. and i'm like i'm never gonna do it but i'm just you're gonna over but at 40? that but, but at that point you were a performing musician right i was well, performing as right. a musician so you you were i started you at could be in front of right 35 performing as a musician did oh that's so cool yeah. i was my hands so you shaking. had five years of performing in front of an audience yeah. so that i think wow. that helps so i but slowly started kind of coming out of my shell and like and then huh. and then i i also wanted to do acting and so i yeah. took, i took an acting class and an improv class Wait, where did you take the improv? At uh, Worcester was the uh, Hanover had okay. opened up this conservatory. Okay. After they had their theater there for like maybe ten years, yeah. and then they opened up a, a school. Huh. And and so that was really scary. But by the end, by the time I got to the end of that, I felt oh, I feel like I could, could maybe do, do stuff. Ooh. And I and I said, well, if I don't do stand up now, yeah, when am I going to do it? Yeah, that's and great. It, and, I, and the fear. Of being seventy-five and yeah. looking back and saying, yeah. "I yeah. never yeah. did it." I tried. Yeah. Oh my god, that's was so great! Was greater than the fear I had of getting on stage. Yeah. Cheers. So man, I had to, to do it, so, so that great. I wouldn't have regrets. Man. Oh, that's so. Somehow. Thank God out. you. Thank God you don't get nervous at all before you go on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I still do. I love bombing. Is that is that <laughs> our favorite part? We like look forward to no, bombing. No. Uh, strange. No. <laughs> I, I'd rather just be on a really bad show. Like one time um, I was in Connecticut at an open mic and it was just <laughs> eight <laughs> comedians. That was it. So yeah. there were seven people. That was, wait, there in were seven people. Seven people and eight comedians. In the audience who were all <laughs> comics. Oh, who, oh, oh, oh. So it was saw just me go. Yeah, there were no audience. There was, no it was audience. just comics. That at was a, a yeah. show? That was oh, it. Oh, okay. It was that an open was a mic. Show. Yes. Wait, wait. Who was supposed to go up? Was it just you? But seven people were on? No, eight people showed up oh, oh, to oh, sign oh. up for the show oh. who was also the audience. Okay, there were no, okay. yeah. Yeah, that and, was pretty and bad. you're saying that did I, 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 that to me, that's, I like that more than bombing. That's okay. what I'm saying. You, you like, I'd rather, I'd rather do that than, because that's, because you're not getting many laughs at that, right? Yeah. But I'd rather have that than be at a room full of 50 uh, people yeah, and bombing. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, that yeah. that's that's tough. When was your first stand-up performance? When did you get into it? Um, so 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 mine is more that it's a performance thing yeah. because basically what it is for me since like I performed with the orchestra when I was eleven, right. you know, and then basically I've been doing con- I've been on TV, radio, everything. I Kennedy Center, Carnegie Hall. So as far as performing goes, you know. I've been nervous a lot, but eventually yeah. when you perform so much, you just, um, yeah. eventually you start really developing that thick skin. Yeah. Um, and then in like, for example, high school, um, I was in show choir. Show choir was, um, I actually got to sing and dance on stage. So I started doing that. I lo- that's when I, that's actually what I wanted to be. After high school, my goal was to move to Florida and join the Walt Disney company oh okay a professional show choir person because actually we we our show choir was very competitive nationally and so 
the Walt Disney guy came up to work with us and we made a professional video um and so he had invited us to come join the like the the company and so i asked my parents again like the the really very encouraging moment i said hey mom and dad i really really want to do this for my career i want to go to walt disney world yeah. and become a singer dancer and i just got the brief <laughs> how and how old were you when you did that <laughs> when i was graduating from high school like 17, so 18 yeah, oh okay 17, yeah, and they said yeah. no Sorry. Yeah. And then I continued on then to, they, then went, to the piano. They said you're going to college. Right. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so I, I had a little bit of that, but that's what I wanted to do. And and then I continued on with the piano. And then in junior year at New England Conservatory, there was a jazz master class. And uh, they looked for a volunteer who wasn't a jazz pianist. And so it was some famous jazz guy that I don't remember. But anyway, so I got up on to to do this improv thing that they asked me to do. And after that master class, all my jazz friends were like, Sarah, you are so good at jazz. You should just become a jazz pianist. And so again, I wanted to be a jazz pianist. I thought that seemed really <laughs> fun. So for the first time, I wanted to do something with the piano, but in jazz. Right. So I called my parents and now like the viewers are already, <laughs> I called my parents. I was like, just oh, do I it, Sarah. Just found something <laughs> I really, really love and I want to become a jazz pianist. And uh, I just got this <laughs> over the phone. I just could tell they were they were nodding sideways. <laughs> no, basically meaning I couldn't even switch to become a jazz piano major. I wanted to be a jazz pianist. They said no. Oh, so I man. continued with this classical piano thing, which I really didn't want to do, but I kept doing it. But you it. still were kicking ass at it, though. Yeah, so that's I mean, a little encouraging that at least you I were good think, at it. Yeah, I was really, really Real, good I'm sorry, at it. really it good like at it. so, so yeah. lonely. Right, Because right. jazz piano just the... You know, right, you're more. You have to vibe with other so people, right? Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just a solitary thing, um, so I kept doing that. But anyway, the point was, uh, I got, I, I did the. I was really into jazz, didn't do it. I was really into show choir, didn't do it. And then as I started doing my own faculty shows, and as I became an adult, you know, I, I, I instead of just a regular stiff classical piano concert the part of me that felt like at least I have freedom when I do concerts. Right. So that's when I started injecting my piano concerts with theater. Nice. Like I would do comedy with my piano concerts, right. choreography with my concerts. Like you into the mic or you'd have a comedian with you performing? No, it, no it not, not necessarily a comedian. But um, so I started doing this and one professional clown from a real circus yeah like he went to clown college right. he was in the circus there like, is such thing not as the wrinkly brothers too. but the other right. one right and he was in the audience and he goes sarah you're like a total clown like <laughs> you're, you're like a natural clown and then he recruited me to do shows with him where i'm playing the mini piano but and he's um, acting yeah he wanted me to be a clown with him oh, and okay. i said no, no. but right. then we did some improv skit where it went like super great and he was like we're doing clowning so i started doing clowning but all my concerts like makeup became... in the whole deal you did it no no oh, no oh. like uh he's a clown but right like clown without the costume okay he would have the nose oh, okay but i didn't have the nose but we did clown stuff like just the motions and the actions yeah. and the expressions yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so i started doing clown so all my shows started becoming improv and me clowning reliving a childhood you were yeah. taken and then so I started away doing more, more theatrical <laughs> stuff and it turns out that people were just laughing whenever yeah. I do my shows because I'm just naturally funny and just being funny. And um and then uh at one point uh IB uh improv Boston was offering classes and I was like, Oh, I'm totally gonna take classes. I was not interested at all in stand up, by the way. Mm. I really, really, really wanted to do improv theater. So I took like a year and a half of their classes, went all the way up to like the sixth level, and then COVID hit. Oh. But around that time, one of them were like, you know, Sarah, you should also do stand-up because one of the faculty at the school, we were friends, and I was telling him about the Japanese and the American and the dichotomy and how it's so different, but he thought it was funny. He's like, you got material for stand-up. And I'm like, oh, I don't like stand-up. It's just work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it a writing like classical piano yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like you got to do homework right right, right. improv classes is right. just show right up right and, right. and do it right so he was like but you really should so i was like all right i'll take one class i with dan crone 
Oh, okay. That one I've, class. I've worked with and him. And to be honest with you, it still didn't like do any spark for me. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of like I'm just going through the motions of doing like what I'm you have writing to do, this right. thing. But for me, because in class you weren't playing together, right. I just wanted to play. Right, and right, it was right. Just like show up with her. So, right. and I was like, eh, it's okay, whatever. But anyway, so the classmates were like, uh, into it, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna! I'm gonna become a stand-up comedian. So I'm gonna follow these people." And they were like, "Okay, now the class is over, but I'm gonna go hit some mics." And I didn't even know what a mic was. I didn't yeah. know because I just wasn't into it. Right, right. But I was like, "Okay, let me see what it looks like." So I said, "Can I follow you guys?" And they said, "We're going to Sally O'Brien. It's a Monday mic." Is that the Quin- Quincy? It was um no. in um. Union Square. Oh, okay. And it was like the biggest mic four years ago or something. Oh, okay. And so they, five years ago. So they say they're going. And I said, what time's the mic? I'll, I just want to go watch. Right. So I said, I'm going to come watch. And I showed up and there are 50 comics, like literally <laughs> one of the 50. And I, and they were like, on Sarah, the list? On the list. <laughs> That's and, nuts. But, uh, and they go, um, Sarah, um, are you, oh, so I walk in to just sit down and the, Host goes, hey, uh, so are you right signing up? And I'm like, no, I'm just watch, yeah. here to watch. But then um, they're like, well, if you're going to be watching, might as well. And so uh, there was number 39. And um, that was the first line that was available. I was like, all right, I'll just put my name yeah. on it. And I got some drinks. And I'm sitting there for two hours. And I at that point, I'm, I'm going to say more and more 50, Like, that's a four-hour show. Yeah, 50, no, it was like, so freaking long. Crazy. Was it five-minute sets? Any, yeah, four, four anything minutes, other probably. Than, anything above 30, you got to sh- To be honest with you, list. I didn't know anything about the culture. All I knew is I was going to watch my friend. Right, I didn't know what perform. a mic was. I right, was just right. sitting there. And they were like, literally, it was the most popular mic at the time. And uh, I remember... Oh, I said to the host when I signed my name, I said, by the by the way, I'm just putting my name down. But if I get scared, can I like not do it? And he goes, sure. Like, uh, yeah. So so with that, that's what I felt. I thought I was going to maybe skip on it. Right. But like 39, it, like it took forever. And by that time, I watched everyone go up. And you're like, I could do and it. I'm just or? like, well, you know, maybe give it a try. And so right before the host was like, no dick jokes here like really he, yeah he I, I don't know if he was joking i don't uh, know what was going who, on do you know do you remember who it was who the host dude was? i don't know oh, okay. because i wasn't in the game so i was, was dan like, crone there he no or no he, he, he was didn't go with you guys there, but it was like all all these guys yeah. def, definitely no japanese girl in there and then all of a sudden <laughs> and, and and i heard something maybe he was joking he's like no dick jokes or so whatever so i go up my turn it's like the first thing i said oh oh I, and i with I, I i put an accent because i figured that would be funny so oh hello uh, i'm so sorry but i have no dick jokes <laughs> no dick shows but I can talk about butt plugs. <laughs> and then I started with that. And then everybody just went. Yeah, it just like blew it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started doing these bowing jokes and whatever. And then turns out the whole, apparently I took the whole house down. So as soon like. Your first had, time. Yeah. Wow. Was, that was my first mic in my entire <laughs> life. So literally the entire place. Not many people can up. say that. Not many people yeah, can say that. No. And then the host goes up like around. 10 more people later like uh and then there was another guy who also blew up too and after him was like number 40 yeah, or yeah. something he goes um i just want to say uh so the host goes up and so t- the this tonight's winner is and i'm like i didn't know there was a winner he said tonight's winner is sarah infinite whoa this other guy yeah the white guy he said you guys tie for first place uh you guys both win bumping rights uh you can get whatever you want from the bar wow whatever and i was like what this bu-? I, and he goes <laughs> you get bumping rights and i'm like what's bumping rights it sounds dirty i don't even know what that means yeah. so and then people are like yeah, you were so funny. Your accent, blah. I'm like, really? Uh-uh. I just made. I'm improvised. That right? Yeah, you didn't have said. a plan when you went up there. I just no. improvise on the spot, right. or like waiting. first thing, you, and you yeah. first thing you thought of was. And butt people plugs. were like, "Dude, like you're so good," and <laughs> I was like, "Really?" I still didn't really get it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because that was my first time. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah, but you must have felt when everyone blew up in laughter. You must have felt that. Yeah, like, but you know. I still didn't know what that meant because I right. still didn't know what stand-up culture was. Right. So I think that was like whatever, and I didn't really pursue it that much yeah. either. So that was 2019? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, 
But then COVID hit. Yeah. I was I was focused on being being an improv actress. Right. Like I wanted to join the theater, um, the group. Improv that, troupe yeah, in so Boston. Yeah, stand up to me, that was like whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, eh. And then I just wanted, but COVID hit right. and improv Boston closed. Right, right. And A lot of everything I, closed. I couldn't yeah. join the right. thing. But then people were like, hey, you can still do stand up. Right. <laughs> and that's when I started. Basically during COVID, I started kind of getting into it okay yeah i got yeah. way into more into writing just writing part and yeah. writing screenplays when covid yeah. hit i yeah, wrote when people that said summer of 2020 i wrote two screenplays screenplay yeah that's amazing so <laughs> what what are you doing with that are you i, I i've written like you know six or I've seven on, of them like i've been on three films this year i i i was look yeah. i was gonna say you've branched out you yeah. you act you this sing is, you yeah. improv you do comedy and this is catching you, up yeah. to all the what would 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 screen acting be yeah, your number I did three one. Films. No, but would that be your number one choice if if you could have any job? No, you not, just, or no, you just want to do all I of them? You just want to do point, all of them? I think. Yeah. I'm just reliving my childhood playtime. dreams I'm that just, you haven't. Yeah, and I got a chance I, to. I never got to play or do anything, <laughs> you know. So I think it's a little bit of um, acting. It turns out that I didn't know that I was pretty good at film acting yeah. because I. And so, what were they? Theater. You want to mention what they what they're called? What you were in? Uh, one. Uh, they, they were still. Uh, Are they Emerson, still Emerson, like, the, uh, you know, college thing. But it's still going to be played at the Paramount Theater. Okay. Like, in May. Oh, nice. In May, and then. So they're in production. And then or... one in June that I did was a seventy-two hour Asian American filter com- competition. Whoa. And we wrote the script, or I didn't write it. Right. Neil wrote it in one day. We memorized it in a few hours. And then we filmed it in one day. We turned it. So in. that's the competition the rules. You got to do it in a day. Wow. In three days. So Whoa. We, we made the top fifty. And wow. It's premiere December fourteenth on the, their YouTube channel. It w- it did or it will. It's going. Oh, that's great. This, this year. What and um, so what's the name of that? Where can people go to? It's look called Amer A A A A F L dot TV or something right, like cool. that. So, um, I think for me, I'm interested. It's just that. I do have to teach and have a job to right. live every day. Is teaching, and, is that your yeah, that's main my, source of yeah. income is teaching? So Like me. So <laughs> there you go. So to do film acting, you have to drop everything right. and be available. And so f- if it weren't for that, if I had all the time in the world, I would definitely do more. Yeah. But right now, because I have a schedule, and that's right. why, thank you, where, Mark, where we for hosting figured me this out. Yeah, Because I had to teach like pretty much right. every single day and i couldn't make the time right so um i think if i had all the time in the world i would probably do more film and again stand up i f- started getting into it because during covid there was nothing else to right. do um so that's and kind also of it's social so you, yes. you probably like that aspect yeah it, but 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 here's the thing not really social see I would have been happy to just come to Mike's and be friends with you guys, but I noticed like I can't talk to you guys unless I go off. <laughs> Meaning, if I don't actually do comedy, I can't talk and make friends. So well, you can go to shows and not perform. Yeah, but no, but but it's <laughs> like you don't. It's like jazz. Like if you don't sing, yeah. you don't become friends with the band guys. And I found that I make friends by doing stand up, right, and then making. Fun to Mark most of the time. Like, I was like, yeah, the other day, Mark was sitting on, yeah, the other day he was sitting on my lap and it was just like, really get, you know, just, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but I think a lot of the times it's like I make friends by doing yeah. the thing. So part of my motivation in doing stand up, partly for me, is social. It really is. Yeah, that's cool. And you, I mean, you enjoy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is, what's the, is improv your number one when you're performing? What kind of performance resonates with you the most? Is it improv, whether I'm, that's I would playing say I'm or good at improv yeah. in general? And you speak as well. I've you, I saw some of your like your talks. Like yeah, yeah. like yeah. you gave a talk on improv and comedy, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. My mission is um. Classical music culture is a little bit toxic in the sense that it's very uptight and serious, mm. and they don't really—they're ha- not very funny. <laughs> they're not into humor, and they're not into making mistakes. It's a little right. bit of a perfectionism. It's more mathematical, almost. But here's the thing: see, but there's a there's a little uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like hypocrisy in there because see, all the classical music we're playing were uh 
composed by all these composers who all improvised. See to get there. There, there, there no, like er. Beethoven, Liz, Chopin, all yeah. these composers had an improv culture where they would get together with wine and cheese to their homes and they would play a theme and be like, Hey bro, why don't you improvise on this? And Liz would improvise, everybody would improvise, we would drink and eat and be merry. And so like a workshop a environment almost no, but like no, in no? concerts they would perform improvisation. So well, what I'm oh. saying, trying to say is that it died in like twenty cents for the past hundred years for some reason, performers just stopped improvising. And so I'm on a mission to, to bring, bring it back, back nice. to classical music. And so there's a class starting in the spring semester where um, I'm teaching an improv class to the uh, prep kids at the conservatory. Nice. And it's not just improv, but it's going to be solo and ensemble improv in music and then also theater. So it's going to be in a theatrical, um, really brand new theater called black box theater at the conservatory and it's going to be like acting and comedy and music and like improvising on four notes that the audience gives them that kind of thing nice. is this for so high school kids college kids what? yeah from eight to 18 eight to 18 That's yeah great. and we're auditioning kids right now and it's going to be first of its kind there's never been anything like it That's awesome. and i'm changing like i feel like i'm bringing something brand new to the classical music culture so it's my way of contributing bringing back something um, at the same time, also having fun and being paid for <laughs> for that. So I'm well, super if you can excited. get paid to have fun, yeah. that's, right? I mean, that's isn't that yeah. the goal, right? So the first time Mark actually paid me for my comedy, that was like that was sweet. Yeah, it feel, it's a good. <laughs> it is a good feeling. It is a good feeling. I remember when I had to report on my taxes. I was like, wow, that means I'm actually. Oh my god! Seriously, you yeah. made it. Oh, report. So I yeah, I actually so back back you in the day, I don't know. You ever went to the. Oh on God. Park Avenue, Worcester, there was. Oh, dude, the, I used the to go there. Attic. So yeah, I became it was called with... Dick Darty's, but back, oh, not back the park five. Grill. So yeah, the what? Park Grill used to be something bef- else. It used to be Dick Darty's Comedy oh, Club. Okay. I I worked the door there for two ah, years. Okay. Then he retired. Okay. Then, and it, then became, it became Park Grill, and, and he got his new guys. So now it's nothing. It's, correct. It's, uh, we, what is it now? We have no clubs in yeah. Worcester right now. I know, now. <laughs> I know, because there was a time during COVID. I used to go to Worcester all the time. Yeah, it was big. Like it, the, there was kind the of big, an explosion, yeah, we, like a rebirth it was or something. A really but fun then it, yeah, scene there. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely grown. We had just opened the Wuhaha. Yeah, yeah. I started. Yeah. So we had two clubs. Yeah. But uh, now, it's it's the Vernon. That's it, right? Or, or, or Which isn't a comedy places. club. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. The Vernon really, is the closest, probably. Yeah. To. Yeah, but there's no like. Like there, at least it felt like you're in a comedy club right. before. Yeah, it was upstairs. Anything yeah. that's off ground level yeah. usually makes a good comedy yeah. club. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, like either going downstairs or going upstairs <laughs> for some reason <laughs> because people lose their sense of huh. the world. Yeah, right. yeah, because it's but the escape. the post office pub in Grafton, we he just we just did a show there. Yeah. It was a good room. That yeah. felt like more like a club. Yeah. 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 Oh, separate. Nice. You were separate. Yeah, from... I got to come out to that. Yeah. yeah f- sorry, I haven't made it because it's a teaching schedule. I would teach until eight or something. Yeah. And then that meant that I wouldn't be able to come to the mics or yeah. the shows. And also. Well, I where do you, you're out in Boston? Where? Yeah. yeah. I, well, so Burlington is closer to Boston. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend, friend that lived in yeah. Burlington. Yeah. yeah and also, a, I've been on vocal rest since June. So they found three nodules in my vocal cord uh, this summer. And so uh, I'm working with a vocal rehab person. And so the doctor put a camera down my throat and he had me sing, talk and do comedy. And comedy was the worst. And he said the comedy was the worst. And so Ooh. the person I'm working with said you could probably start singing soon. Like, oh, that's I'm good. I'm already starting to sing a little like a little bit now. But she said comedy will be Jedi level is what I've been told. So <sighs> either I have to like totally change my style or only you know, like talk to quiet cr- crowds, but never those dive bars where you have to like, boom your you know, voice. They're just yeah. bad for your voice anyways. You know, go. Do you guys ever still go to like the loud places on purpose? <laughs> no. Do you, do you ever? I try to avoid challenging places <laughs> in general, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. to get really good at comedy, you have to do the to Do the tough rooms I mean, too. What's your philosophy? I feel like it was good for me to do that. And I feel like one thing I'm very good at loud places yeah mainly because <laughs> because i i don't know if it's like i have balls or i have a samurai blood which is for I, I was gonna ask you about yeah, that you come from samurai warriors 
Yeah. How, how far back? Check this out. So this is, this is a very hypocritical family I come from. So my grandfather and my great-grandfather are both Christian ministers. But before that, also Samurai clan. <laughs> so so before that, we have two generations of really wonderful, good people who, who have been, like, blessing people and being kind. It's, it was all about kindness. And then right before that, it was all about, if you f- fucking offend me, I'm going to chop your yeah. neck off. <laughs> I mean, head off. I mean, so it's like. I don't know. So there must have been someone that said, came from a samurai warrior that said, I don't want to do that and I'm going to be yeah, a priest. Yeah, well, also right? that, that samurai era ended yeah. too. It's like there was out of jobs. And yeah, right. watch Tom Cruise and Last Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm I sure mean, is 100%. Tom Cruise was the last samurai. And I'm sure, it. yeah, I was going to say 100% historically 100% accurate <laughs> movie, right? They never get it right. <laughs> See, my brother, so my younger brother is a history, he like got his master's in history, and he, he can't stand when movies aren't right, right? And I'm like, but Tom, like the whole point of those is someone will, might watch that, and then they'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll research, and they'll find the real story. That's the whole point of those, right? It's not to show you the real story, get you into it, and then you find out the real story. Yeah, you have a very empath. Yeah, <laughs> the, what was that Mel Gibson one? Uh, Braveheart. Yeah, that yeah. That movie. there was a lot of inaccuracies in that. Yeah, yeah. But it was still a great movie. I mean, it won a bunch of awards and yeah. people. It, it was it, commercially a great yeah. success. But if you ask anyone in Scotland, they're like, "What the hell?" But it got the point across that England was bullshit. Like, it, like all those Mel Gibson movies do. Is that one The Patriot? It's like if Mel Gibson is fighting England, like. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, so tell us about your s- screen film. I want to, I want, I want to hear about that. I mean, you're all over the place too. I mean, it's just like yeah, writing here. and performing yeah. And, yeah. and teaching. Yeah, I mean, yeah. writing. So is, what is what do you teach? I teach intense needs uh, first graders. That's mostly oh, wow. who I'm working with. Oh, so, so that's why you got kids, the healing kids on thing. the spectrum, oh, not wow. some nonverbal kids. That's amazing. Kids with emotional behavioral issues. Yeah. You have to be like psychic to work with these jobs because I, <laughs> I mean, well, that's I mean, I don't know about psychic, but like you're you they really feed off your energy, right? Yeah, so I'm really calm, fun, yeah. but also yeah. you still have to get work done. So they yeah. know I'm silly, but I'm also but you have, firm. You have you're to get firm. yeah. That's yeah. yeah so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I and I'm the only male like that's great. staff other than uh, a couple of PE part time PE <laughs> teachers and custodians. I'm the yeah. only male staff oh, at the school, which is so, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> well, it makes me popular. Say, Dave is enjoying his job. <laughs> <Yeah. major. laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. Like I used to teach at Wellesley College for a while, and I got to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. It's just like you always feel you're treated like a king. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if you even look like a man, yeah. they'll treat you great because the problem is there's overabundance of women yeah. at Wellesley College, yeah. and I was the chair of the piano department for the last three years. But I gotta say, like everybody was in a bitchy mood all the time. It was like everybody was having a pe- their periods or oh, their God. menopause at the same God. time. So I would try to get like you know just my publicity person or the secretary to like just. You know, one question like, hey, next Friday, can I reserve this room? But if I dare walk into the office at the wrong time, which yeah. was always the wrong time, uh. it's like, don't ask me now. Talk to me later. Oh, However, wow. I would used to bribe anonymously. I won't put the name here, but but there was a male colleague of me, mine who, you know, I would just say something like, let's say his name was John. Hey, John, could you just go into the office and ask if if we can reserve the friday and then i'll just be like i'll buy you coffee and so when he walks in and asks the exact same question at the same like two minutes later our secretary would be like oh hi yeah right it is like like if you're a guy at wellesley college they treat you well but if if you're a woman woman, you're just one of many so so, i guess they must treat you well uh, all my, all my coworkers and the students are great. Yeah. I, so I can't, I, I actually, I'm one of the, I wouldn't say very few people, but not a lot of people in this country uh-huh. look forward to going to work. I walk into work and uh-huh. I look forward to it, that's so even though that's, it's still not my number one job choice, but yeah. I can still say I enjoy oh, going so to great. work, which is great. That's yeah. wonderful. And what, so I'm sorry, we, we dive. That's okay. Yes. So what, what, what are these films about? The, the screenplays yeah. I've written, I've written like some autobiographical ones about wow. Crohn's and brain cancer. Wow. I've written some buddy uh, road trip movies. Oh, I've ri- yeah. 
uh, I wrote a like what would be like a Christmas animated Christmas special. Oh, so like all again all over the place. Yeah, have you ever tried to get it? I've shared them with. I have some friends in the industry. I shared them, got some feedback. Mm-hmm. That's about it. But I mean, the the key is getting an agent, getting yeah, in. You know, you got to get in. It's right, the budget. Yeah, you got to get. Although, if you reach maybe a film department in, yeah. uh, in a college, they might be. Well, if you get the right person attached. Yeah. Right, whether that's yeah. the director or someone in it, an actor. If you get yeah. the right person attached, that's also how. Yeah. Do you know who Ed Burns is? Have you ever heard of? He's a that sounds very writer cool. director. Yeah. He wrote a book about his movie making process, okay. and he his one of his first brothers, McMullen, yeah. won a bunch of awards. So he was an award winning movie maker. Mm. It's still hard for him to make a movie. Uh, like I read his book, and I'm like, if he it's hard for him, how am I gonna do yeah. it? But yeah. but it, again, very educational. Yeah, um, I also yeah. read that during the pandemic. Mm. So I'm like, mm. Right. But sorry, I have to tell you, yeah. we, okay. are we, are over, we are over an hour. Yay! I told you it would not, Ooh. yeah, I, oh, I told sorry. you it wouldn't take long. I, you are, you are a great guest, a lot Thank of stories. So I hope we have 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 you back at some Thank point you. to continue. Episode 24. Yeah, so thank you so much for being us. Uh, where can our listeners go if they want to find more about you? I think, you know what, let, let's not pretend we, we, we have to go through stuff. I think if people okay. know who... My, the, my the, name. They you already, they'll, they'll, and they'll find you. They'll find you People with online. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. It's Thank been a pleasure. Thank you for having awesome. me. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you.